Okay, so this week we're going to start off with our predictions for next week's WWDC. Uh, so we're going to do three predictions each, um, and we'll argue oh. why. Well, we'll try to do three predictions <laughs> each. Yeah. Um, so Dave, yeah, let's start with you. Do one first, I guess. I think we're going to see something different for iOS 10. Anyway, maybe not too different, but I think there is going to be a, there's going to be a slightly bigger push towards multitasking. A man can hope that there'd be a slightly bigger push towards multitasking. So maybe even if it's kind of starts on the iPad Pros and trickles down eventually as the hardware catches up to enable it or whatever. So I don't know in what shape or form that may come, but I would hope that that would be something that that's on the cards. Do you think we might see split screen on the bigger iPhones? Um, definitely the the thing where you know just the one where you you can pull in the the small pane, not the the full split screen. But I think you might see the you might see the um, whatever it's called the, the the smaller version of it. Yeah, just even have uh, YouTube and maybe web client on the same on the screen at the same time would be fantastic. I'd really like that. I'd probably use my phone a lot more if I could do that. And it, it seems to me like from what I've read, the picture in picture isn't, still isn't really supported too well on the iPad Pro. And it's, um, you know, if anyone's using a kind of a custom video player that it's it's difficult to implement. So hopefully they're, I don't know, maybe they'll make some changes to that. Cool. Well, that's it for my first one anyway. Thomas, anything from you? Anything you're looking for? Yeah, the, the, I was going to mention something that I, I'd really like to happen, but I, I'm not kind of sure how possible it is. I really want a 5K Thunderbolt display. Um, the reasons why I have doubts about it is that Intel's current processor generation and I think the next generation, neither of which um, support the version of display port needed to send the full 5k signal um so basically if they did re- release the 5k thunderbolt display um even if they released new Macs as well um they would those Macs i think would need two cables to uh drive it well the predictions are that maybe the screen will have a built-in gpu that might handle some of the processing. yeah and I, I mean that would make it super expensive um i think it's, i mean yeah i mean i guess like in some ways, you can think of Thunderbolt as essentially kind of external PCI Express. So it's, um, but I, I don't know. I'd really like to see it, um, partly because I'm, I don't know about you guys, I'm getting really annoyed with um, multiple display support in OS X um, this week. It's just been really annoying me where I've been losing um kind of windows and i can't find them or like say if i was searching for something in numbers and the i had a document open on one screen but the the find and replace thing came out in another so um i if i could afford it a really nice uh single display would be awesome so um yeah that's my hope but i have significant doubts cool um for myself i guess Updated iTunes, I guess, would be a nice app we've, to have. We've got a sidebar. What more do you want? Oh, I don't know. I just... It's so bloated at the moment. Using it, it really is a pain. And it, it, it often tries to bring you places you don't want to go as well. Anytime you change tab, it tries to bring you to the store version of that tab. So you go to your apps, it brings you to the app store. You know, it's just trying to get you to buy and buy and buy, I guess. And it's always slow. It's a slow experience to kind of navigate around 
getting into your phone and stuff like that. <clears throat> Wouldn't mind seeing an overhaul of it. The, the rumors going around is that they're going to be there's going to be an update to it. Um, is there anything you guys would like to see from an updated iTunes? Or do you actually even use iTunes that much anymore? No, that's what I was wondering. I'm like, what are you doing in all these iTunes that, that's taking you places? Like, I mean, literally, uh, the only time I've ever <laughs> opened it is when I accidentally hit the play pause button with Spotify closed. Like, um, literally, I don't, I, I don't open iTunes links in iTunes. I don't, I don't actually sync with my iPhone. I don't rent stuff through it. I don't. I don't do anything. Occasionally, if I have to airplay a file and for some reason QuickTime won't do it, I might have to use iTunes, but that's it. What do you use it for? I use it at work quite a lot. I'm on the App Store quite a lot looking at apps and even looking at my own apps on the App Store. Is that not a bit distasteful, Baz, like searching for your own apps? Is that not like kind of Googling yourself? <laughs> well, like today now, I needed to upload the Android version of an app, so I needed to copy the text that was on the... Uh, okay. Uh, and I thought the quickest way of doing it, instead of going through my drop Dropbox and finding the folder, is I could just pop on the App Store, search for the app, and it's all there for me, text and all. So it kind of, you know, I was going through that. And yeah, I, I think I could probably tell you a few other things I'm using it for, but it's it's not a nice experience going into it. I actually use it for podcasts quite a lot as well. And that's another thing, going on to podcasts, you know, you're brought to the podcast store, you're never brought into your own podcasts. Um I don't know, it's just it's just a pain sometimes and it, it even just stalls for me a lot of times trying to download podcasts or it's super slow downloading podcasts. I don't know if that's just my internet or what, but uh, I don't know, hoping maybe for something a bit better from it. Um, Dave, any hardware predictions for next week or do you think it's just all going to be software? Uh, I think I think a large portion of the, the event is going to be software, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was some hints as to maybe... The second watch body or upgrades or something like that because it seems like it's probably going to happen soon if they're going to do it at all because um i think a lot of the native apps that are being written for for watch os are running into um performance problems so i think they're probably going to at some point anyway announce an apple watch 2 whether they um, whether they're going for a much longer life cycle with the Apple Watch to encourage people to buy something that's, you know, that expensive for that short um, an amount of time or whether they're going to just bite the bullet and update. Because, like, so far, um, like, it's still relatively new in my, you know, we didn't get the first gen here until whenever. So yeah. um, the second gen, I don't know, are they going to, kind of ramp that out and then is is it going to be the the one like the way we all still have ipad 2s that work no problem yeah i think we're more likely of seeing a new um strap than a new watch yeah. again exactly like uh, the last conference it was a very nice strap yeah. though um yeah. thomas are you, what are you looking forward for anything from ios 10 or mac os you're looking forward to i they need to call it ios x ios x and mac a Mac OS with a small Mac OS. M. Mac oh. OS with a small M. I but actually uh, always think of it as OS X in my brain. Like, I don't translate the... I don't know. I I must listen back to some of the podcasts, see how I say it. But yeah. in my head, I think of OS X. And that, that proves to the diehard Mac people that you didn't come from OS 9. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what a 
about hardware. I'm not following the rumors massively closely, but there seem to be loads of rumors about new laptops and then they've kind of died off a bit. Yeah, I think um, the big one I guess people are waiting for is the new MacBook Pro. So again, going with the uh, Retina screen that might come out, that having a GPU in it means that you can have maybe a smaller MacBook Pro, a lighter one that is quite powerful, but when you get into your desktop or in work or somewhere and you hook it up into your computer that it's able to handle, I guess, the 5K resolution screen without taking any, um, you know, GPU power away from the actual laptop. So you can still do all your movie editing and stuff like that and not lose any performance. Um, I guess, again, it's Apple going towards smaller, skinnier laptops. They're the rumors. Um, and they also that they are going to have replaced the whole function row at the top with an OLED strip. I don't uh, know what are your, what are your opinions on that. <laughs> yuck! If it had any haptic feedback, would that make it better for you? If it had gesture controls like slide from the left to increase volume, slide from the right to decrease volume, or even increase brightness with two finger slide, if it had any of those features. Would you like that, Dave? I don't. I don't like the the idea of the the OLED strip or whatever is is very interesting. And like I used lust after those um, keyboard oh, keyboards yes. that used to have the the OLED buttons on them and stuff. Yeah, um, I don't know if they ever actually existed, but they do. Back when they were back before they did anyway, they were they were the thing to be um, thing to be admired and to, to strive for. Um, I think resolution would be a big problem if it's all bitting stuff. Not so much, but if I could have it do stuff like play the have the scroll, the name of the current track that I'm playing in Spotify or something like that. If I had some added utility to that strip there that I could make use of, like if I could um, tie it into the notifications or something so that when I was full screen, that's where they came on without interrupting me or something like that. Maybe, but I think it's um, it's something I could live without. Yeah, I definitely don't see myself. It's not a selling feature anyway for me. What about Siri on the Mac? Do you use it? I probably would use it a bit more. Um, I guess inside and work a lot, I have my headset on. And being at home is where I primarily would use it. I'd probably use it a bit more than I guess I do on the phone. It depends if Siri itself is improved. Um, I suppose that's a separate conversation, but... Yeah, the literally the only thing that I use Siri for would I would not need to use with a Mac in front of me. So that kind of negates the entirety of of Siri's usefulness for me, which is hey Siri, set a timer for 10 minutes when I'm cooking dinner or whatever whatever it needs to be. So that's literally the only thing that I that I use Siri for regularly apart from random like Siri, how old is uh, Bruce Springsteen or something like that. You know, just Stupid stuff if you if you need an answer real fast and you just don't want to type or whatever. Or showing it off to people who don't have a clue what Siri is. <laughs> what if you were programming and you came across a bug in your app? So yeah, your compiler told you what bug it was and you could go, hey Siri, find me the Stack Overflow uh, solution for this problem. <laughs> Would you use it then? <laughs> yeah, as long as I didn't have to like, hey Siri, find me the Stack Overflow solution for error number two three three nine four um object not found in return you know yeah i suppose that's the whole thing that you want it to be 
Siri to be more context aware and understanding of what you're asking about in, in every situation. Yeah, and like literally one button with the Stack Overflow logo inside of Xcode would take care of that, you know, without too much, without too much trouble. Um, <laughs> not to, to bring artificial intelligent assistance into it. I'm really curious about all this, just the whole hype around the Google air freshener thing and Amazon Home and this whole kind of voice controlled AI feels to be very hyped at the moment. And I guess Apple are partly responsible for starting that when they bought the company that did Siri. But I remain to be convinced that even if the AI and the voice recognition is uh, a large amount better. I, I'm still, I don't quite see the hype that everybody else is is saying. Yeah, I think the thing is, well, is that we really don't know what OK Google is like or what Google's particular competitor is to it. People rave about it. People love it. People think that Siri is the Stone Age in comparison to it. So, you know, there could be a whole other world out there that we're just not, that we're not using because we don't have it integrated into the phones. I mean, we can use the Google app and we can use OK Google and the recognition on that's pretty, pretty good. It's a lot faster than Siri. And because it knows every single thing about you in the entire world, it can actually, you know, it can answer slightly more than than Siri can. Yeah. So I think we should do that for, for next week and, and I'll make some, some OK Googles or whatever. And I suppose all the predictions for next week's are improvements on current technology or current software. Is there any wild guesses of anything new they might uh, show off next week? The one Cars. Where- Cars. Could I, be interesting. They could and they'll be bust it. onto the stage and be like, and here's one more thing. <laughs> Big Johnny Ive then rolling, rolling. You know, yeah. His first on stage appearance. Dave, any mad predictions? Uh, I'd love Touch ID in a MacBook, but. Really? Yeah. I suppose actually, yeah. Would be pretty good. Press the power button to turn it on and it logs you in automatically without having to type in your password or something. Yeah. Be handy. That, that'd be awesome. If, mm. if it was the sensor from the success, though. Yeah, because I saw um, I saw a colleague at work this week unlocking his, his Android phone with the drag your finger across the across the line sensor. And it took him about three or four goals. <laughs> <laughs> My one wild prediction, I guess we've talked about in an older podcast, and Dave was kind of mentioning earlier about uh, better multitasking for an iPad would be a new mobile or new ipad os something that really does allow you to do proper uh multitasking even on something like the the bigger ipads the ipad pro that you could have you know four apps running at the same time dragging and dropping like even a jpeg between your web browser and an adobe app um and then you can start manipulating it or just even drag links from different windows like uh i don't know even from twitter into drag a link into safari and start a video or something like that i I think you you can kind of do that with the pro like oh can you kind of kind of okay maybe i guess more of that then just an improvement on that might not happen (laughs) probably won't happen at all (laughs) i don't know so we are we we are gonna watch the keynote together are we yes yes while watching the Microsoft Xbox keynote in the background at the same time. <laughs> no, Baz, you can you can leave. 
Um, so super exciting, and I guess so. We'll have the keynote. Um, the I think hopefully we'll all also be able to watch. Um, so each year after the the main keynote, there's um presentation what they call State of the Nation, right? Which is like a more developer focused. Um, and in a way, in some ways, that's more important to us professionally because you know we'll get more more details and more of a sense of what's happening on the API side. So. It's going to be, I think, WWTCs for the last few years have been good. Um, they're going to live stream some of the, uh, most of the um, the talks, I think. Yeah. And um, just, I came across uh, an unofficial WWDC Mac app during the week. It was posted on Hacker News and it has all of the previous WWDC videos and it live streamed the current ones and it has the calendar and events and all inside it. So it's like a really nice package for awesome. sitting down to enjoy WWDC. Brilliant. So are we going to <clears throat> start watching those Swift uh, tutorials, I guess, together? Workshops? Uh, uh, once oh, they come on. out for three. Yeah, it's, yes. it's time. It's time. It's officially I, time. Yeah, I mean, today I spent um, a portion of the day looking for Swift books. I eventually just decided to use the the Apple Swift book, the the cookbook or whatever it is. I'm not sure what it is. Is this a public and official announcement that Baz has started learning Swift, or that Baz is thinking about it? <laughs> I read that book. It. I don't know Swift. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm looking for a book. I need. I, I definitely want a book and. It really helped me, as we talked about, and again, another podcast, a, a book, learning um, Objective-C at start, a book's really, really helped. Um, I think I need a book. Um, I did peek into the Stanford course today. Uh, videos are probably about an hour long, and I'll try and do two hours a week of Swift or something like that. One video of his, and maybe... Such um, a swat. Yeah, but get, you know, it could be swifty. interesting. I, I could be coming back in here every week and I could be telling you guys how I got on with everything, what I liked, you know, what I've learned. Um, and maybe, maybe you know, some of it might rub off on you guys and we all, you know, start learning Swift together and then you get way better at it than me. I think we we certainly have talked about learning Swift in every single episode of this <laughs> podcast. <so. laughs> what do we talk about afterwards, guys? Yeah, yeah. I, I'd and love then the to... podcast ended when Baz learned Swift. What are we talking about again? App Store. App Store subscriptions. Yeah. Maybe starting off with some of the smaller uh, changes. So Phil Shader went and talked to a few media outlets yesterday, including The Verge and John Gruber uh, and I think one other, um, to talk about the App Store. And the one, I, I suppose the one small piece of news is the um, App Store review times that we talked about last episode that is confirmed as being permanent and Baz you had an experience today right? Yeah so going from a brand new uh, account that's never had any apps on it we've put two apps up and I say they both got in within 48 hours but since then we've which has been great like within the space of a week we were able to upload a uh, a new version of the app with some bug fixes in it and yeah less than 24 hours later it's up in the app store I, I just can't believe like the quick turnaround it's fantastic yeah so yeah there's proof have you had to do any what's the time like for android um oh yeah i must check that so yeah i did upload for the very first time ever i uploaded two of my uh android apps today <clears throat> well not my android apps but for my company and um Three to four hours, I believe, is the minimum time there. 
like maximum four hours, I believe. So we shouldn't accept this one day from Apple and we should keep forcing them until it's minutes. After six years, Dave, <laughs> I'm so happy with it. <laughs> Take what you can get. Have either of you ever pulled, because I've done this, have you ever pulled a binary when it's in the queue because you found a bug? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So <laughs> I think it's interesting that, like, you know, we're going to have to be a little bit less... Uh, yeah slap happy cavalier and i didn't i didn't feel like that thing of oh you know i can just put it up um and look if there's a bug we'll find it it's still a case of i want to make sure that the product i'm putting up there is a quality product that's the the bugs i mean test before it goes up and you know we're happy with it as an app before we put it up even though it's going to be so quick again to be able to put up bug fixes that should be the worst case scenario (laughs) bing um so that wasn't the only um, thing that I suppose Phil Schiller was talking about. Um, second thing was ads in the App Store. Um, and I guess none of us are hawking a, a sort of an indie iOS app to consumers at the moment. But if we were, um, like, what do you think of this this uh, paid ads thing? Do you think it's good, not good? If you take the whole concept of, um, like, just transfer it from the web, where you have niche sites, you have people putting sites together, you have people driving traffic to the sites with AdWords, a certain percentage of them convert to actual customers, and it seems to be a tried and true way of actually getting users on a platform, you know there's a cost, and you spend that much money to get that many users, and you, you know, it's, it's, you kind of you optimize it, etc., and you, you figure out a way to, to get on it. So I definitely think that this, um, first of all, I think it will allow much better A-B testing of your app icon and stuff like that, because if you can bid and you can see, well, it was 10, you know, I, it, I showed 10,000 times this week and only X percent, and then if you change it and it was the same amount, you know, so I think it'll actually allow, um, if the, provided the analytics are good, it'll actually allow you to, to actually refine your app and make it more attractive in the ads but also in the general app store so i think it's um i think it's a good thing but i think if you're already number one it's gonna or number two it's probably gonna annoy you because um you're just gonna be pushed down the list basically and did he explain how he said you know indie developers and big developers will be able to promote ads but how do you keep that competitive? Like, you know, if I'm putting 10 grand into ads or I'm putting 100 euro into ads. So I think it's auction based um, and it's basically you get charged. Um, what do they call it? Second price auctioning. So you only like eBay, you only have to pay just above. You don't have to pay your maximum bid. You just have to pay whatever is higher than whatever the other person who, who dropped out. Um, I guess, I mean, I, I don't know about the indie thing. I think, I guess, obviously there are some categories of apps where there's going to be a few big players and they're going to dominate. Um, the I guess where it's maybe a bit more interesting is where you're targeting niche, it will be cheaper. So I, I presume, you know, it'll be a bit of a... Um, a bell curve and not actually a bell curve there'd be quite a long tail is what I meant to say 
are the apps going or sorry the ads are they going to be targeted are, like apple obviously have a bit of inf- information about us as users that they don't share with anyone else they're obviously they always say they're not going to give it out but will they use it themselves to target ads um they're not tracked well the third party that's doing the ads isn't tracked anyway we don't know necessarily if apple is tracking them internally do we what gruber said was no profiles are kept of users apple's ad system does not use tracking perfect so and i think as well just on on that point they said specifically that it would only show things that were relevant so even if your app was bidding on keywords that weren't relevant like you know if it no matter what you search for clash of clans comes up or something that's not going to happen basically so the ads are only going to be relevant to the search which i think is fair enough you know I think the sad thing here is I think most developers would have been a lot happier if they just fixed App Store search, which they have not announced any intention to do. Um, I, I always find searching in the App Store quite frustrating. I think it needs a lot of work. Um, and yeah, ads are fine. But actually, as a user, but also as a developer, I, I want kind of people to... I, I want to be able to find apps that I'm searching for and I want to uh, I want users to be able to find my app I suppose how often do you actually go searching for apps <clears throat> are you on the app store regularly or do you no. feel like yeah yeah and I guess the, like we I think we all agreed the app store needed attention for a variety of reasons and I suppose you know one thing to say is in overall terms the fact that the app store is getting attention is i think good for developers but it's also good for the platform because i think i've always had the opinion that if if the app store model is incentivized for developers to make good apps that that improves the quality of the platform um like you know it makes the iphone a much better product if developers are motivated to make really good apps so yeah, and I think you could tie that into the, the subscriptions as well. You know, people aren't going to subscribe to your app if it's if it's crap, you know. They might buy it, but they can they're not gonna keep they're not gonna stay subscribed. So onto subscriptions, I saw a really interesting tweet that I can't remember. Um it this was kind of weird for Apple because it's a pre-WWDC announcement and it, it's not that long prior to WWDC and some people were saying oh it's because there's so many things in the keynote and that there isn't going to be room for this and then somebody said no actually what it is is this is controversial so they wanted to get it out of the way before WWDC so we're all talking about app subscriptions now um so we're not necessarily going to be talking about them just after the keynote where they introduce other stuff that makes a lot of sense. That's quite smart, actually. Which probably means there's going to be something in the keynote that we have to pay money for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the I am personally really excited about app subscriptions. And I'm really interested to talk to you guys about it. Because I think there are two major facets and maybe a third minor facet, which is related. The two major ways of looking at it is, What's this going to do for developers? What's this going to do for users? Or what's the experience going to be for users? And I think the third thing is how it's going to advance the platform as a whole, um, which is related to the other two. Because clearly, um, 
from the user perspective, there is maybe some reasons to be worried. It seems to me like this is for developers. You know, I think it's definitely to appease maybe some... uh, Maybe there could be pressure on Apple from big publishers. Now, not that they've ever given in before, but, you know, things are changing um, to to bring this in, you know. So I think overall it looks like a really bad thing. Like if I'm looking at it from the developer point of view, I'm thinking maybe I could make use of this and maybe I could, you know, maybe it's a way of generating a stable recurring revenue, however however often it is. But as as a user of the App Store, it's just, I don't know, not good. I'm really not looking forward to it. I, I'd counter, though, your pessimism with, I suppose, a point that there is always going to be downward pressure on pricing in the mainstream app store. So I think, um, you know, I don't think we're going to be, most apps are not going to be charging 20, 20 euros a month. But I think, so the minimum kind of installment is a euro but it doesn't have to be a euro a month i think it can be like every four months so even apps that are like four euros a year i i i wonder if that's not such a bad trade-off for users in terms of paying a small amount for an app that um provides the developer with some recurring revenue stream to pay. Uh, and this is what you're paying for updates. Because I think this is probably the big change. So the dreams of paid updates are probably n- ain't going to happen. So this is some way of, of, of providing some revenue model that's a bit more sustainable. And I think it's important to note that even on Apple's website, they say that there's still only two types of apps that can, uh, two types of subscriptions, content and services, you know, so you can subscribe for new content or you can subscribe because something is a service and uses the cloud or, you know, something like that. So that, that's all Apple have said on their, their website about it. So might be overly, you know, overly pessimistic about that because I'm pretty sure that we're not going to see we're not going to see subscriptions absolutely everywhere. Yeah, I can, I, I can see that. Um, I can see the positive side. I can see the positive side from, I guess, when I look at Thomas's app. So I guess I was very negative about it initially. Uh, Apple are being purposely vague on what the rules are, um, what apps are going to be allowed to use a subscription model. I guess, as you said, there's only two. Sorry, Thomas, you going to say something? Well, no, I, I just thought it's actually kind of funny. So, I mean, there is some confusion at the moment over exactly what all this means. And yeah. I think some of the confusion, because I think there are two things out there. There, There is what Phil Schiller went out to tell the journalists. And then there's the guy who, or girl, who wrote the um, the actual developer documentation on the thing so phil schiller's stuff to the media outlets and to be fair i guess the journalists are probably embellishing a bit but they're all like oh this is going to be awesome it's going to be for enterprise apps you know this is kind of like a new way for developers to make money and then on the developer side uh, it's written in that classic app review apple developer relations speak which is all defensive and we're reserving the right to refuse our, your app for whatever reasons you want so um so it points to maybe two different cultures within 
Apple, that, that that's what I felt was there was a kind of mismatch, which is where the, all this confusion is coming from, because developers are going, wait, like, you know, cause some of this is so vaguely worded in the way we're often used to in terms of app review guidelines, like, you know, what does a service mean? It's not really explicit that it has to be a server. Um, so this I, is like um, a classic Peter Molyneux thing where... The, the, the developers think one thing in their mind. Peter Molyneux, who is, you know, he he's this quite famous game developer. He'd go out on stage and he'd be talking to people. He'd be giving interviews and they might ask, oh, does it do this? And he'll go, yeah, no, it actually does do this. And it does these other things as well that he makes up on the spot. Developers in the background groaning because this is, uh, they haven't programmed for it. They haven't, <laughs> there's no vision for this in the future. And, you know, I suppose they need to be, as you said, they need to be standoffish in kind of what they're showing at the moment. And they need to be very restrictive in what they're showing. And then they can maybe give out a few more rules or something like that in the future. We'll see a little bit more vision of, I suppose, the, the, the full vision of what the subscription will be, who can use it and stuff like this. And I suppose they have to be careful what they say so they can roll back. And I'm, I'm just worried about who is going to use it. I'm not so worried because I can see how it can be used like i suppose thomas for you 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 have um quite expensive app uh, but you could probably reassuringly expensive best. reassuringly expensive but there's <laughs> nothing to uh to, to give away a free month to your app to get more people in to use it and then to have a smaller fee which people like you know they like to pay for a car over several months they don't like to pay yeah. for a car all at once that they can you know buy your product and then pay away in it and obviously they're going to grow to love it because it's a fantastic app but you've also got um instead of them paying i guess the initial fee it's spread out over a longer time and they will stay with you a bit longer um what i would like as well that if you do have a customer that is with you for a long time that maybe you can give them a reduced um uh, subscription model as well which not many people would do you don't really see that but why not incentivize people to stay with you a bit longer? Another thing I'm worried about is, I guess they have the six months grace period, which is quite cool. So if I use your app for three months, um, maybe for some reason I don't need to use it for six months. I've gone holidays and I come back and I use it again. I'm within that time period, you know, it extends on. But if I leave a nap, every time I leave a nap that I have a subscription for, am I going to get constant groveling from the developer? Please come back. You can come mm. back. We'll reduce the subscription, blah, blah, blah. Is it going to lead to, you know, that kind of thing as well? Uh, dirty, dirty tricks, dirty tactics as well. Newer, newer tactics. I'm, I, I guess I, I thought it might be useful just to give my own perspective on this, even though it's a very sp um, specific perspective but i you know i think just to explain why this is a huge amount of relevance to me um i came into app development a little bit later than you guys did and by the time i came along um the consumer app market was had reduced to kind of zero so i i was post the any sort of gold rush that was there in the early days and so as a result I decided to make an app that was focused on businesses. And the pricing model for businesses, I, I target small retailers, but it's a bit different because um, my app is used to do work and I guess to make money. So the pricing model is just a bit different. And certainly I, I, I 
strongly suggest to anybody else who's thinking about getting into app development that if you do to target this market because it's much easier to monetize it um there's some disadvantages as well for me um and so I'm kind of on tenterhooks here because my app is there's no server-based component, so I'm wondering what the fine print with some of these rules are, and will I fall under? Will I be eligible to offer subscri- subscription pricing? My competitors offer subscription pricing um, that are aren't iOS-based, but you know it's the standard in the industry, so so we're pretty much an outlier. Um, and this is super exciting to me if it if it's going to happen. Um, it also allows me to do some things. Let's just certainly I have point of sale app, so so it's all about entering data. So certainly, what I would do is that uh, if a subscription expires, I would enable cus- I would allow customers access to their existing data. So it means they pay when they're using it but if they decide not to pay they still have access to their historical records which they'll need for financial purposes so that seems really positive to me um yeah trials so subscription pricing the way they're going to do it it introduces trials so you can give someone i think a week or a month trial um which i think is really good so now we have trial pricing if you go the subscription model it also I always think because iOS and now Mac OS or whatever we're calling it, um, it has moved to a yearly release cycle. It's not, it's more than a trivial amount. Like there is some work to be done every summer when the betas come out for the new OS because, you know, APIs change and whatever. And, you know, there've been some visual transitions and stuff. So I, I, personally think it, it it's for my customer base it is fair to charge them a subscription model i have avoided it so far because i didn't want any server component to my app because some of my customers use the app uh, their app in in places where they don't have regular internet um so certainly for me and people like me who are selling products to businesses um this has the potential to be huge. And I think for the platform, this is also huge because I think certainly like my product targets, the iPad, I think there are so many um, bad sort of enterprisey type software that would be so much more awesome if they were done with a native iPad app. Um, and I would hope that this would maybe open up the possibility for um, iPads to be used more in, in a business environment um, so that some of the lessons from consumer software is sort of uh, brought over um, onto business software. So I'm super excited. I can't, I, I'm, I'm a bit... Um, I need to see the small print to see whether... I will apply, but it's no understatement to say this announcement could completely change my business model and for the better. And your life. Yeah. yeah. I suppose one other great thing for the app is um, <clears throat> it's a tweet bot or something like that, that there's no upgrade model at the moment and there doesn't look like there's going to be an upgrade model. So certain app developers release an app and I suppose they 
reach their target amount of sales. And okay, so the users who love the app and everything like that want to want new features in it. So something, I guess, updates on Twitter, they want to be able to handle that in the app. There's no incentive for that company to update the app um, if they're not going to make money. It costs money to obviously update the app to pay the developers and they can't offer an upgrade. They have no way of offering an upgrade to users. It's not something you can do with an in-app purchase. Um, that's too That's too hard. So the idea that someone can pay for your app and you never have to work so i suppose how they used to get around it was they were released several different versions of the app with several different SKUs. so you had to tell your user okay look this app isn't going to work anymore if you want to get these new features you're going to have to download this version of the app and it's going to cost you another fiver it's i don't know it just upsets your community segregates your clients and your customers um having this model i think is very positive for people like that you can provide all new updates for your customers and never have to get them to um download a brand new app which is uh, rather annoying i guess i think the interesting thing is um uh the legacy pricing that you can do so with the subscription model you can freeze the price that current users are on but if you decide to increase that um basically the user has to opt into the new price or they get disconnected or they yeah. get they get unsubscribed so obviously that's a good thing you know as a user i'm like that's brilliant and it's it's done it before as far as i know something i was subscribed to changed its its price or uh, they, they up their price recently. yeah i don't i don't do them through through the app store but it was oh. Yeah, outside the App Store, no Netflix did it. I was grandfathered in with their seven ninety nine deal for two years, and then just last month, I think I had to go start paying. This also presents like a really good way of growing an app, in that like you know, one way if you don't have if you if you if you can't or won't do a kind of big bang release, um, one way to like have organic growth is to work really hard on something, and essentially offer it really cheaply at first but then increase slowly increase the price for new customers as you start to get traction um and it means you have these like really loyal um users that were with you from the start that are sort of you know help you shape the product and then as you grow and you get more profile you can actually increase rather than decrease your price yep what I want to know is if you do decrease the price, do they still have to opt into it? Yes. <laughs> you know, could you be like, that's great. Look, all our legacy customers, all 10 of them, if it's on an old subscription, we're going to make it free for life or something. And then it's like they have to opt in. And also if they do the, you know, the freeze period where they can come back in. Now, that seems that for the 85% revenue split of the year, like if they take that break and then come back in, obviously the subscription that they're on, if the price is up, they don't get to keep the the pricing of the subscription that they that they would have let lapse mm. and another thing i want to know is if if i have an app at the moment and i have subscribers who have been there for a year or two the minute this launches am i going to get the 85 percent on all those users or is it going to be a year from when this starts so am i going to have to wait a year no i don't think you have to wait a year um really yeah so if you uh, what uh, if I'm getting the question right, what you're saying is um, if you already have subscribers right now, yep. when does the clock start ticking? And I think it's it's um, when they started subscribing, not the announcement. Very good. Um, the Yeah, so this we're talking about the um, 
Apple saying that subscriptions after the first year, Apple will reduce their cut from 30% to 15%. Because I'm I'm a very low volume business. Um, so um, 30% of... <laughs> do you actually think that's the reason they're doing it though? That's what they're saying. But do you really Probably think... Probably not. Am I being cynical? <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. I think, I think they're kind of adjusting to market realities. I bet you there's some statistic that the percentage of users that go on more than a year is like nothing or something. <laughs> yeah. They've it all worked out. They've done the stats. They know. So I'm thinking they probably think it's a safe bet. Like I'd say probably 80 or 90 percent of subscriptions are cancelled within the first year. Or, you know, maybe. I don't know. And I know sort of as users, we think of subscription based pricing and we think of, say, Adobe Creative Cloud, which is super expensive, right? Like comparatively. Um, And this concept that we never own our app. But I, yeah, I think there's going to be a massive downwards spiral on prices and subscriptions will still have to compete with free, right? And at the moment, free is dominant on the App Store. So I'm not sure that's quite going to change. But I think it's going to create a new niche um, for things like, Dave, you and I recently both signed up to Pinboard, which is $11 a year. And at that price point, it's sort of, uh, you know, it's not a, yeah, you're kind of like, that's not a monthly price, it's an annual price. And I'm hoping that there will be this niche of, for a variety of reasons, you are prepared to contribute um, a very small amount of money um, to an app developer because you like the app. And also you want their incentives to be aligned in a good way. So you don't want to have a free app because you don't want the app developer to do sleazy stuff with your information or you don't want kind of ads to be shown to you. So if that's my hope is that this small scale subscription model will align incentives better so that apps become Mm. better because um, if developers are going to be more incentivized to add more features and to continue their app being good, I guess. Yeah, and I think just you mentioned Creative Cloud there, which I think is the exact opposite example of software that needs a subscription model. Realistically, the only reason I can see that Adobe went with Creative Cloud was because old versions of Photoshop are good enough. And people were like, yeah, well, I'm still on Adobe. I'm still on Photoshop CS1, like, and it does everything I need. And, you know, there's there has been, in terms of, I suppose, non-absolute hardcore users who are on the cutting edge of graphic design, Photoshop has been feature complete for a long time, the same way that, like, you know, technically Word 2000 will do anyone if they really need it. You know, so it's the and it's the same with Office 365. Now it's like literally Office 2000 will do every human being for what they need to do in Microsoft Office. Seriously, like it peaked. It was fantastic. It It had the little toolbar. You could do everything. It had the new file format. That was it. Did it have Clippy, though, Dave? I think it did, yeah. So, but he's he's just an added bonus, you know. And and in order to in order to keep people paying for Office now, when people don't, they're not going to upgrade. It's like I have a version of Office, and that's it. And the only reason you used to upgrade is when every single thing you opened told you that it was too old. This has been created on a new version of Office, and you need to upgrade. That doesn't really happen anymore since they standardized on the 
the the more XML style formats. And basically to get people to buy it, they've gone with the Office 365. It's a subscription. You get them, whatever. And you have to keep paying. And that's it. There's no kind of, oh, I got it with my PC. And that's it. It's like you get Office 365. Oh, what's that? You didn't subscribe. Sorry, it's gone away. And I think it's the same with Creative Cloud. They're not innovating and even text expander lately. You know what? It, it, it expands text. Why is that gone with a subscription model? You know, it's the problem. I think is subscriptions are uh, a crutch for complete lack of innovation and lack of sales on apps that are essential, but that older versions will do without without the the need for any of the the current features yeah it's an interesting one i also think um, there's been a bit of talk recently about a kind of patreon model or a, you know where, where kind of the app is free but you have an option to donate essentially donate because you don't get any it's an in-app purchase but it doesn't unlock anything it's just a sort of way to support the de- developer for those of us who might just want to support good you know developers of good apps that will, will it be at a low enough level that it, that will be significant, I guess? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the one, the app that springs to my mind when you're talking about that is Overcast, you know? So that is, you know, that, that went free. There were premium features for the, you know, the voice boost and the, the speed thing. But um, basically, you can become a patron for three months, six months or 12 months at two ninety nine, five ninety nine, or eleven ninety nine. you know? And they're one-time purchases. They don't renew. They're not subscriptions, um, you know. And basically, it tells me 175 people became patrons today, you know. And if you take the lowest level, that's 2.99. Yeah, it's not insignificant, right? No, 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 not at all. And that's and so in a way, like you could view app subscriptions as just a more formalized donation model. Um, it's just going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. Mm-hmm. And an- <clears throat> Android came out today as well and said, us too. We've been thinking about doing this for a while really? as well. Uh, I think they sent out an article today where they basically said, we're going to be doing the same model, but 15%, uh, sorry, 85-15 straight away. So no okay. 12-month thing. It was very brief, though, but it was kind of, yeah, no, 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 we're doing it, too. Yeah. We're doing it. Yeah, 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 us, too. Which is um, good, because I guess, like, very quickly, this has now become normalized, right? So the fact that it exists yeah. on both platforms is kind of, that's a it's good a, thing, right? Yeah. It's it's always worse to be the the first person to announce anything. Mm. So this, is, this is like, um say, E3, the year that uh, the PlayStation 4 and Xbox one were announced that Xbox One was announced first at a certain price point, but that gave PlayStation 4 then to kind of fall back on a different plan of, oh, um, well, if we re- remove this feature from it, we can get the price down to $3.99, $100 less. So one person goes out and says, we do this thing for $4.99, someone else and go, well, do you know what? We're doing it for $3.99. Would Android have said, you know, oh, yeah, did they just turn around and go, look, just say we're going to do it for less than 12 months? I'm not sure. Again, the cynic inside me kind of says uh, they made it up this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Dave, what's making you happy this week? So a few things, but again, I'll stick to the one. Uh, The School of Life YouTube channel, I'm only after discovering it, but it's all kind of short 10 minute videos that explain, um, you know, things on philosophy, history, um, 
those those kind of things um more liberal arts i suppose um and so for example the the first few videos you know there was like the history of rituals and why people why we do you know why we we have rituals what the purpose of rituals are you know um and just some very interesting very interesting uh short little videos that you can go in and, and uh, watch. They have them divided up into different curriculums, so like history, philosophy and stuff like that. But they're insanely well-produced videos. They're not just some guy sitting down on a webcam. Like, they're 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 gorgeous. They're slick. They're well-narrated. Everything is beautiful about them. Like, you'd you'd pay for a DVD of them kind of thing, you know? Um, is it one so, person doing this? Or a collection of people? Uh, they're a company, but I think there's okay. there's probably one main guy. Check that out. How do you think they're making money? They do a lot of in-person classes as well. So it's not just a YouTube channel. They have their website and they have a shop and they have, you know, they have a few different stuff and they have online courses as well by the looks of it that you pay for. So there's um, a lot of really good free content. And again, that leads you to the more the more premium premium options. Interesting. Yeah, so Baz... What is making you happy this week? Two things I want to talk about this week. So um, the first one is an app which is called 10% Happier um, that I've stumbled across um, on another podcast, Giant Bombcast. It's a meditation and mindfulness app. It's mindfulness is the new big thing. Um, it's just a really, really nicely put together app. It's for meditation. Um, it's just well produced and there is actually a subscription in it so you get a week free so you get seven different classes free and it seems that every month they put out um new content which is definitely why i'm going to pay for a month worth of the subscription and maybe do that a couple of times and if i'm really really getting something out of it i will probably go for the um full on year subscription but the idea behind the app is that meditation is quite good for you it won't change your life, but it can make you 10% happier. So that's one thing. Um, definitely check out the app, even if you're not into meditation and stuff like that. It's it's a kind of an alternative way of looking at it. But the app, from an app developer point of view, it's quite nicely done. Um, it's just very, very simple and it flows very, very nicely. Uh, the other thing is that E3 is next week. And so that's my favorite time of year from, you know, video game standpoint that uh, so much is announced. But... Even before that, there's the run up to E3, so a lot of leaks are coming out, a lot of rumours are coming out, people are getting excited about things, people are getting angry about what might be coming out. Um, there's a general, there's just a buzz, I guess, on certain websites and podcasts I'm listening to about E3, and this year could be one of the most uh, impressive years. I, I just There could just be a lot of cool news coming out from it, a lot of controversial news, I guess, with the PlayStation and Xbox maybe releasing new hardware. Um, That's going to be really, really fun. And I even just today, I thought about last year of an interview. So again, I subscribe to Giant Bomb and they do a lot of extra content. So they do, they watch the live um, events, kind of like WWDC, and they talk over them, which is always quite cool, but they do a lot of interviews with developers and producers and stuff like that after the show, but one of the ones last year was Jeff Gersman talking to uh, two execs from Xbox, <clears throat> and he called them out on how can we get to a place where we're not releasing unfinished crap video games, and 
the two guys weren't expecting it their faces dropped one guy just stood there just sat there smiling kind of going what do we do what do we do here other guy um he he picked it up quite well he 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 you know turned it around quite well but stuff like that it's just just talking to developers seeing what they're coming out with it's it's really excites you for the rest of the year does it always live up to the hype usually not but still you know it's kind of like christmas for uh games enthusiasts so that's they're my two things that are making me happy this week thomas and you um this is gonna sound a bit sort of lame and self-referential but uh podcasts have been making me happy this week partly because of you guys because um most of my customers are in dublin and often i have to drive so i spend a lot of time in the van and for various reasons last thursday and friday i had to go up two times in a row so over the two days that's over 10 hours in the van so i'd sort of exhausted my podcast queue and i asked you guys for recommendations um so and you guys uh, recommended some really good stuff that I wouldn't normally have listened to. So, um, like Baz, you recommended the Player One podcast. Yes. Also, they just released their 500 episode. Which wow! Is quite a huge milestone. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and Dave, have you listened to Player One? I used to a few years ago. So I don't know. Was it like this when you were listening to it? But they spend, a lot of them are dads, so they spend a lot of time talking about kids uh, and stuff. And I just, I really enjoyed it, even though I don't know much about gaming. I really respect it, kind of. I I got a sense, and Baz, from what you were telling me about the stage of life these guys were at, where where they, um, they, you know, were heavily into the gaming scene. They still are really interested in it. But and player one is their outlet, but they also have some perspective because they now have families and stuff. So really enjoyed that. Um, Dave, you recommended Away with Words in a US radio podcast, which I loved. It was really, really good. Um, the other two, I can't remember. You both recommend. Um. My brother, my brother, and me was another comedy one. Yeah, me. exactly. So my brother, my brother, and me again, really different. Just super funny. They're clearly having loads of fun in the show. Really liked it. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm I really glad to expand my listening habits. Um, I'm also hopefully going to start recording two new podcasts with different people next week, and I guess. So, but <laughs> they're I, not allowed to be released before we've gone live with this because this has to be the original. Oh, you're such a shill, Thomas, or a whore, a whore for podcasts. Yeah, but but I guess what I what I said my favorite thing is podcasting is I felt a little bit adrift on the internet, weirdly enough, over the next last kind of. I don't know, six to eight years, maybe, as social media and particularly, I suppose, Facebook and Twitter, which have been the dominant social networks in my circle of friends. And I really love the fact that podcasting, it, it's really simple, you know, it's MP3s over RSS. There's not lots of kind of creepy stuff in them. It's long form. It's nuanced. It's not just about one small pithy quote or taking people out of context. And I really like that. I, I really, I really feel it's a better form of the internet. I guess um, that in some ways 
has a lot of superior things to i i guess you know what passes for the web these days so i'm just i'm super excited that this exists uh and that lots of people are making amazing shows and we're making our own show and it just feels really great to be a part of it definitely it's so easy to start up everyone should do it everyone's interested in something <laughs> yeah baz is saying it's easy because he has he doesn't do the editing and isn't <laughs> registering the domain name so yeah <laughs> he's not even sending in links exactly <laughs> Podcasting is really easy when you get everybody else to do the work. Hey, you stole my links. And I <laughs> That's the thing. I don't think Baz will ever, ever be any fear of Baz starting his own podcast. 